This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. This is the next-to-last Sports Talk of 2023. Oh, you thought I was going to say forever. No, 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 no. Of 2023. I can't kick uh, Bergie and and Pat and Smitty to the curb uh, this early in our life. No, no, no. Sports Talk thrives on, continues, coming back. Bigger, better, nastier, meaner, snarkier, more insightful, more intelligent, older next year on Tuesday. Off on Monday, off on New Year's Day, on the air tomorrow after the Clemson game, we will be the place to turn to for all your Clemson Gator Bowl postgame coverage tomorrow, live from Jacksonville. Tonight, we're the place to turn to for all your Clemson Gator Bowl pregame coverage as we had the press conference today for the two head coaches with players at both. We'll hear from the head coaches a little bit later. Also coming up tonight, Ben Portnoy joins us at 7.05. Little national scene, Zach Willis at 7.30, breaking down the X's and O's of the game. Mike Morgan off tonight at a wedding. He'll be back with us in 2024. He'll help us ring in the new year. So here in Jacksonville, it turned a little coolish today. Temperatures in the 50s, maybe touching 60. Overcast rain. Tomorrow's supposed to be 55 and clear. So we should have good, uh, what feels like fall, football weather here in what I like to call deep south Georgia, though it's considered north Florida. To me, it feels like a deep south Georgia. Not much difference when you cross the state line. Chris Bergen, from the Bergie Palace, uh, not in Hawaii, at the Bergie Palace. Nope. And, uh, and, and and Pat Daniel uh, back with us tonight after taking last night off. So it's good to have everybody together. Uh, Bergie, back welcome together in. Tonight. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah. Well, not too much. I was just thinking while you were running through the uh, final shows of 2023, this time next week. Last week I was in Hawaii. This time next week I'll be in San Marcos, Texas. Then en route to Lafayette, Louisiana, as Coastal digs into full-time Sunbelt Conference men's basketball starting Saturday. First road trip is of the year San is Marcos is, is Is that like near a beach or anything, San Marcos? It is not I'm close. Sort of like now, <laughs> I'm sort of like i got to do everything near a beach. That's all I want right. to be is on a beach. No, you know? it is not close. It is, it is in between San Antonio and Austin, Texas. Tell you what, on this trip, I don't know about your trip, on this trip, I've eaten more shellfish than Tom Hanks did in Castaway. <laughs> I mean, I have. If it's got a shell around it, I've been eating it. That's how good it is down. I tell you, yeah, it's, it's oh, yeah. been it's been terrific. It's been terrific. Uh, the I tell you what, though, guys. Um, I don't know. I, I want to ask Ben Portnoy this when he joins us at seven oh five. 
10 years from now, 15 years from now, uh, where are we going to be with bowl games? Um, I don't know what's happening around the country attendance-wise, and I don't know what the TV ratings look like. I know the TV ratings drive everything, but um, maybe it's because I'm here on the island in Amelia Island in Fernandina and not in, in downtown Jacksonville. I was in downtown Jacksonville today after the uh, – after the press conference, and I mean, there was it was deserted. You know, I didn't see hardly any Clemson fans. Certainly, no Kentucky fans. Uh, maybe they're out on the beaches. Maybe they're out on the golf courses. Maybe they're coming in tomorrow. I don't know. I haven't heard any scuttlebutt about ticket sales and all that for this game. Now, I do know last year when South Carolina and Notre Dame played in it, they had um, they had a good crowd for that game. Of course, you know, South Carolina fans were extremely excited about going to the Gator Bowl. Um, Notre Dame. Yeah, they were happy to be there. Maybe not so much because of who they are. Uh, you know, Clemson having all that success playing in those national championships, playing in those playoffs, and now they're on a, what, kind of a, a three-year slide. Well, not necessarily a slide. I guess last year was a bump up going to the Orange Bowl. Before that, it was the Cheez-Its Bowl. Now it's the Gator Bowl, right? Those are the last three Gator, right. uh, last three bowl games for Clemson. So, you know, you wonder if you're a Clemson fan, and like a lot of these teams that are used to playing in the playoffs and you don't get to the playoffs, just what do you care now about going to the bowls, especially when you see so many players opting out, even though you got players who are staying and they want to win, they've been practicing, they they sport your colors, they sport your emblem, they sport your name, they're your team now, not the ones who left. You can't worry about the ones who opted out. you got to worry about the ones who stayed and who want to play. But I do wonder about, the the interest in bowl games, the non-playoff games, the non-tournament games, especially going now to, to 12 teams next year, how that's really going to start further eating away at the interest in bowl games. I think what we'll ultimately see, Phil, is the non-playoff bowl games will turn into the NIT of college football. And I think that's a shame, but let's be frank, that's where we're headed. Because I think if you're a diehard college basketball fan and you actually overlook the, the narrative that the NIT is not all that important, you start watching some of those games and some of the teams that get in there, it's good basketball. Same thing I think you'll see here. Uh, bowl games, especially the ones we've seen the past couple of weeks, may not have the most attractive matchups, but there are some that are interesting and entertaining to watch. I thought the Southern California game last night with Louisville was rather interesting. I was surprised how easily that uh, FC was able to move the football up and down the field without Caleb Williams with their backup quarterback. But to answer your question, I think I'll hone in on one game to illustrate where we're headed. How many years did you and I and even Pat in his formative years starting to grow up as a college fan look forward to watching the Orange Bowl because it was such a big deal, playoffs or not. The Orange Bowl was a big deal. It was on either New Year's Eve or New Year's night at 8 o'clock. That was much like the Rose Bowl at 5 o'clock on New Year's. The Orange Bowl usually always followed. Now we've got it at 4 o'clock on a Friday, excuse me, on Saturday. And then you've got two teams who, because their players weren't invited to the college football playoff, have decided even the Orange Bowl is not a big deal mm. anymore. And what did we touch on last night? 40 opt-outs or NFL draft. People were just, you know, transfer mm -hmm. portal between the two teams. I mean, yep. five years ago, would you have ever thought anybody would sit out the Orange Bowl? The answer yep. would have been no. Yep. Today's, uh, today's player, he doesn't. Let's face it, he's, he's been brought up on the playoff idea. Right, exactly. And exactly. it's like, if we're not going to the playoffs, then, I mean, the bowl swag, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I make more money off my NIL 
you know, I'll make more money off my Instagram tonight than I'll make off of uh, any bowl swag I might get. Sure. They didn't grow up in the era where the bowl games were romantic uh, to the sports fan, where you, like you did, like you, like me, like you, um, maybe Pat as well. I'm not sure he's old enough. But, yeah, we live for New Year's Day. We live mm-hmm. for Saturday night Orange Bowl and eventually a competing Sugar Bowl on Saturday night. You had them both going at the same time, kicking off about a half hour apart. Because um, the Fiesta Bowl came on, they created the Fiesta Bowl for another uh, quote-unquote major bowl game and kind of shoehorned that until the, into the middle of the afternoon um, to, if I remember right, that, that kind of led into the – Kind of led into the Rose Bowl, or yeah, I think kind of led into the Rose Bowl, or maybe might have might have crossed over each other. Um, as New Year's Day got more crowded, right. they eventually yep. started spreading things out. So, yeah, the, I don't think the kids today think about what does the Sugar Bowl mean to these guys if they're not in the playoffs. What what does the Rose Bowl mean to them if they're not in the playoffs? It, it doesn't because even guys, even when the big when the Big Ten and the Pac the pack well before the pack died when they put teams in the rose bowl they weren't playoff teams but they were in the rose bowl the old-fashioned rose bowl they still had players opt out so right it just doesn't mean it doesn't mean to them what it meant to players back then or what it meant to uh, to people like us back then but we have to adapt to this this new way of thinking this new world order when it comes to to college football and realize that it's become industrialized it's become um, miniature NFL-like, and uh, if you're not in a position to play your way into the championship, then the interest drops off significantly. This is why I wonder, again, 10 years down the road with the expanded playoffs, and in 10 years, how many playoff teams will we have? You think they're going to stop at 12? Um, probably not, um, but you just wonder about what's going to happen in the future with, with places like the Gator Bowl and um, – the 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 Tampa the game down in Tampa whatever it's called now what, what you know um, the, these these games that the were really good, the Quest Citrus Bowl. Bowl yeah but yeah in the Citrus Bowl goals you know the secondary mm-hmm. bowls a notch down from the major bowls but were still good bowl games and had great matchups and and they packed the place um, you know let's see what it looks like coming up over the weekend. And on to Monday when we get to the – I know the playoff games will be sold out. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be sold out. But anyway, hey so guys, we got real, that coming up tonight. Before yep, we ahead. move on, just want to add two cents there to that conversation. Just for a little more context, just in my lifetime alone, you go back to 1990, there were only 19 bowl games. You go to 2002, and there were 28 bowl games. This year, there's 43 bowl games. So in my opinion, and I feel like a lot of folks my age would agree with this, is it's just so watered down. It used to mean mm-hmm. something, but quite frankly, oh, yeah. I could not care less about two-thirds of the bowl games, maybe even more like three-quarters of the bowl games. Why? I will never understand, and nobody can ever convince me, that it's a good idea for a 5-7 and seven team or a 6-6 six and six team to go to a bowl game. I just think that's BS. I think that's ridiculous. I think it just is a slap in the face to the good teams. It's just, it's a participation trophy at the end of the season, essentially, in bowl game form. And I think one of the reasons why we've seen down attendance and maybe fans not care as much is because what is it you're celebrating at that point? You're celebrating mediocrity, at least in my mind. And so I just think that plays a big role into why the bowls aren't as important. And I don't really want us to necessarily romanticize it 
Because let's call it for what it is. There are more than twice as many bowl games as there were 30 years ago, but there are certainly not twice as many deserving teams. If anything, there might be less deserving teams than there used to be. So I think that does play an integral role in why we are in the situation we are today regarding bowl games. Yeah, it's for that very reason that there are too many bowl games that you had mm-hmm. to take a, a five and seven team and, right. and get them in on their APR. So, by the way, just checking the stats from last year's Gator Bowl, the uh, official attendance, 67,383. So that's pretty close to capacity at uh, Everbank Stadium, and we'll see what, what they touch tomorrow with Clemson and uh, Kentucky. Um, now, that's a 12 o'clock kick tomorrow. The Notre Dame-South Carolina game, I believe was a. It was late afternoon -afternoon because I remember it was going on during the show last year. You and I were chatting uh, during the show. Yeah, yeah. And I was at the Orange Bowl, Mm -hmm. and we kind of had a double header. That game ended, and then the Clemson game kicked off shortly thereafter. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what what happens tomorrow. Uh, Our phone number is 888 898 2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Uh, Feel free to jump on board and give us your prediction on the game. We're going to go over our picks here. In fact, let me go ahead and and dive into that because we've got all our picks in for the bowl games. Of course, we had um, the governor and the attorney general on with us uh, last night to, to give their picks. So we might as well take a look at what's happening in our competition going into uh, the major part of the bowl season. And as we go into our bowl picks, we see that uh, Kevin Cohen – sits atop our leaderboard at 42-28. and 28. He's got a game lead on the money coach, Fran Halloran, and then it is Jim Corbett, Pete Yanity Yanitator, and me tied for third at 40-30. and 30. And then Big Daddy Don Williams, Godfather of Sports Talk, next at 39-31. Uh, Pat's been on a bit of a run. He's caught up with Dr. Rick. Number one draft pick, All-American, Sanford, 38-32. and Bobby Harton, the big kahuna, 37-33. Teddy Hefner, I'm so sexy, uh, 36-34. Chris, I'm a Hawaiian Bergen, 35-35. and Hey, I'm one of those teams Pat was talking about. I'm 500. That was good enough to get into the bowl season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, did you did you see any of the cast members from Hawaii 5-0 walking around the Big Island? I did not, and, and I did not realize until you and I were chatting earlier today. You are a huge Hawaii, the original Hawaii 5-0 fan. I oh, took yeah. a couple of pictures mm-hmm. because uh, Joe Cashin, the uh, radio voice of the football side of the Shana Clears, big. Uh, Hawaii Five O fan as well, so we got to find out oh. a couple of the landmarks. So I, I sent you a couple of pictures of places that evidently they've shot scenes from, and we also saw the harbor where, if you remember the Gilligan's Island show, the opening mm-hmm. sequence where they they sing through the tune, where where the ship is actually leaving to head on its three hour tour that turned into what six seasons of TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, no the, way, the, har- I didn't know that. <laughs> the harbor, yeah, the harbor where it was, uh, or at least where that was supposed to, they were leaving. Out of, we actually rode by and, and saw. That's fantastic. It, it was I, cool. I did not yeah, know it that. was. Yeah, I, was a, I was a big Steve McGarrett fan uh, back in the day. Book him, Dano. Dano was his, uh, his left-hand man there. He was his, uh, his top lieutenant. Um, he'd always, you know, whenever they catch the crook at the end of the show, it was, it was wrapping up, and they'd, they'd zoom in on um, Steve McGarrett, played by Jack Lord, and he'd go, 
book them, Dano. It sort mm-hmm. of became the uh, one of the slogans of the 60s it's back then. Phrase, but yeah. did you know, few people know this, but I saw this one time. Steve McGarrett was not a tall person, and they used to put blocks in his shoes to make him look taller. So he had a more <laughs> commanding appeal on television. You know how television is. They want you to look like a badass, and they wanted him to, to look taller. Sure. And so they put blocks. He was a great actor, Jack Lord. Okay, so on to our picks. Oh, I hadn't finished. Uh, let's see. Teddy, I'm so sexy, 36, 34. You're 35, 35. Uh, Smitty, uh, and uh, he's 34, 36. And Alan, um, I didn't realize this, that, that Alan Smothers sponsored the uh, bowl game up in um, New York today, the uh, the bad <laughs> yes, boy. The- Bad Boy Mowers mm-hmm. uh, Pinstripe Bowl, so I call it the Alan Smothers Pinstripe Bowl up in New York for the Bad Boy. Now, he's in last place as well, 34-36. Uh, you know, Misery Loves Company down there in last place. So, as we take a look at things here, um, we're going to just start. We'll, we'll keep it to the to the top of the the line here with the with the best bowl games. Uh, I'm picking Clemson tomorrow. The line I saw has dropped to four, but we got to run with it at five. I'm going with Clemson. I'm taking Washington to beat Texas, taking Alabama to beat Michigan. I like uh, Oregon over Liberty. Um, even with Liberty getting to 17, I think they're really stepping up in class here big time. And, again, I don't know how many players have opted out for Oregon, but uh, – if most of their top dogs are back, I think they'll be too much for Liberty. Uh, I like Georgia laying the 14-and-a-half over Florida State, taking Ole Miss to beat Penn State, Ole Miss getting four. like Ohio State over uh, Missouri, even though Missouri's getting one. Going to take Tennessee and lay the eight against Iowa, and I did that before the change of quarterbacks, but got to believe the quarterback is still pretty good, even though he hadn't played a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and let's go here. We'll do LSU. LSU, I'm taking LSU laying the 10 against Wisconsin. Uh, you want to run yours down, Chris, you, or you want to do it for you? No, I can do that. Um, I actually am mm. going with Clemson as well. Um, I think it's mm. going to be, like you said yesterday, Dave, I guess it was yesterday because this is about the last time I've been on the show. You thought it would be a low-scoring game, both teams relying defense in the run game. And I think Clemson uh, probably has the uh, better sides on, on both of those. So I'll go with the uh, Tigers tomorrow. I'm going to take Texas and Michigan in the uh, college football playoff. If not mm. now for the Wolverines, win because they've, they've got everything going for them, but they've never played well in the years that they've been in the CFP. And if they're not going to get it done this year, I don't know that they ever will. So I'll take them to beat uh, Alabama. I'm going to run with Oregon. I think Georgia just annihilates Florida State, but it's going to be a matchup I think you're going to see of two JV teams, especially Florida State's mm. JV team. It's going to run out mm-hmm. there. I mean, good grief. Uh, Ole mm. Miss, Ohio State, and I'm going to take Iowa not to win but to cover, I think they'll keep it close mm-hmm. enough with their defense. They may not score, but I don't know how much Tennessee's going to put up against them. And I'll take LSU, Auburn, Notre Dame, Kansas State, and then from games already played, I missed the uh, SMU game, surprised how well Boston College played today on a home game for them, basically. And then I took yep. Oklahoma State and Southern Cal, and both of those teams won last night. Yeah, I took Louisville, so I lost on that one. I did take Oklahoma State. I took SMU, so I missed on that one. I'm taking NC State today. Uh, and I got Notre Dame over Oregon State, and I took Auburn since you ran through all of them. Uh, Pat, you want to run through um, your top picks? You want me to do it for you? Oh, sure. Uh, I can, or if you have it open in front of you right now, that's that's fine. Here, I got it now, too. 
So starting nice. with Clemson versus Kentucky, uh, I did take Clemson in there as well. Sounds like sounds like most all of us did at this point, which makes me think I should have taken Kentucky, but I did take Clemson <laughs> there. <laughs> Washington mm-hmm. versus Texas. I'm just not sure I trust Washington's defense enough. And as great as Michael Penix Jr. is, he relies a lot on his running backs starting with the run to then allow him to get the pass. They seem to be a run-first team. And teams this year have not done very well running against against Texas. And that front seven they have, especially their front four, teams just don't seem to run the ball very well. So I don't see Washington putting up a lot of points, and that's not going to do very well going against a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Uh, Texas is going to put up 30. They're just going to. I'm not sure Washington can keep up. So I'm taking Texas there. I loved everything Chris just had to say regarding Michigan and Alabama. If Harbaugh and the Wolverines don't do it this year, not sure when they will. But I just, I bet against Nick Saban in the SEC championship game. Shame on me. I'm not doing it again. Give me Nick Saban. Give me Alabama. I'm taking them here. I think Texas and Alabama are going to have a rematch in the national championship game. I'm all for it. With the Steve Sarkeesian being a former OC at Alabama, he and uh, Nick Saban's relationship, I am all for that. Oregon and Liberty, I'm taking Liberty. May regret that, but I think 17 points is just too much. I think that uh, they will, the, the Liberty will put up enough points to keep that within 17. They're not going to win, but, I, but I'll take that. Florida State, oh. Georgia, like you guys pointed out, JV squads versus JV squads. I'm not sure why Florida State feels the need to continue talking at this point. I saw stories today and yesterday about how if they finish undefeated, they feel like they should be viewed as the national champion. Sounds a lot like Central Florida a few years ago. I don't buy into that, and I think, if anything, you're just poking the bear, and now Georgia's actually going to have some motivation coming into this game where they, they otherwise may not have. So now I think Georgia's going to take it upon themselves to say, no, if anything, we're going to prove why you guys shouldn't have been there and maybe we should have. Uh, so give me Georgia. Penn State, Ole Miss, I'm going Ole Miss there. Uh, Ohio State, Missouri. This one I may regret, but I, I'm going to take Missouri here. I just think the motivation factor will be more with Drinkwitz and, and, uh, and the Tigers of Mizzou. So give me Missouri there. I think Ohio State's just going to be too much of a letdown from last year. I'm sorry, from, from the season and not making the playoff, not even making their own conference championship game. Iowa-Tennessee, I do think it'll stay close, but Tennessee scores late to cover there. Wisconsin-LSU, give me Wisconsin. And if, if any of these games have happened, I, I apologize. I have not been able to watch any sports today, so I'm not sure how some of these are. But I'm taking Wisconsin over LSU. Uh, Nussmeyer, hope I'm saying his name right, will be making his first career start for LSU, and I think that's going to be the difference maker right now. If Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner, was playing for LSU, I would take them without even a hesitation. But since he's not playing, I think Wisconsin keeps it within 10. Maryland, Auburn, give me Auburn. Notre Dame, Oregon State, I'm taking Notre Dame, especially now with the uncertainty at quarterback for Oregon State. Uh, I just think that Notre Dame is gonna gonna step in there. NC State, Kansas State. This one I go back and forth on, but I do I am gonna go with the Wolfpack there. If anything, I think, and again, I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, but the the young man who just lit up Clemson this year. He has a funny sounding last name, but is just absolutely electric on the field. Uh, he plays both the receiver and out of the backfield. I can't think of it. Maybe y'all can't either. But either way, I think that he's gonna be the difference maker there and helps NC State win. SMU Boston College sounds like that game happened today so I might be speaking in the past here I took SMU but what you guys are saying maybe I made a mistake is that right <laughs> yes you did that's correct <laughs> oh no <laughs> well uh-oh. and Kansas State's up seven nothing on NC State if you want to change 
it won't matter, but you could change your pick real fast. Nah, I'm not going to And Kevin Concepcion is the, uh, is the guy you're Thank thinking you. about. Thank you. That young man is absolutely electric for the Wolfpack. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. Give me Texas A&M. We've seen it time and time again after a coach is fired. Teams, teams, teams well, seem to rally around each night. other. Oh, no. What they happened there? They played last night and Oklahoma State won. Oh, well, there you go. I'm wrong there, too. I have been... Yep. Excuse me. I've been just out of it, very underwater this week with my other job. I have not been able to pay attention to any of this, really. Louisville, Southern Cal. I took Louisville. I did see some of the Southern Cal game. That does make me you question lost. Caleb Williams a little bit there, but that's another. That's a topic for later. You lost. You lost on that one as well. Yeah. If you're an NFL no, team, just... are you going to look at Caleb Williams as impressively as now you see all third-string quarterback come in and put up every <laughs> bit as good of numbers? Does that detract from Caleb Williams, or am I crazy? Yeah, I, th- I think they still love Caleb Williams. But yeah. six touchdown passes, that's a nice uh, national debut for you. Mm-hmm. That's something to build on. Uh, that's a season for some quarterbacks. Okay, we'll give you the rest of the top picks from the guys after this break and take some of your phone calls and hear from these coaches. We'll be back. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic point aboard this tiny ship. Mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. Uh, really like Ginger on that show. Really like Ginger. Early heart. Oh, throb. you're a Ginger person, huh? Well, Not yeah. Mary I mean, she was. I mean, uh, well, Mary Lou. Mary Ann. You know, I'd be happy with Mary. I knew a Mary Lou back in the day. <laughs> I, I started thinking of a former gymnast. No, it, it was uh, yeah. That was always the question, right? Ginger or Marianne? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Th- that would be the question. That w- if it was put to you, that would be the question mm-hmm. about those two. Uh, all right, uh, phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Want to mention? You know, I've been down here at Amelia Island, which is a very nice place, and nice beaches and everything. Everything down here, but you know, you know what I'm going to tell you. They don't touch the beaches of South Carolina, and we're talking about Garden City and Pauley's and Surfside and Myrtle Beach and Georgetown, that whole area, that whole strip, the Grand Strand of South Carolina. That's why we call it the Grand Strand, because it's grand. And with summer right around the corner, let's think positive, spring and summer not too far away now that we turn the calendar over to 2024, you're going to be thinking about summer vacation. You're going to be thinking about buying some property at the beach. Well, just give Jimmy Smith a call. I love Jimmy. He sent me an old newspaper article about uh, him when he played for the Socasty Braves. No, no, I'm sorry, the Andrews Yellow Jackets uh, way back when. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wanted to certainly uh, remind me of his – outstanding performances on the gridiron back in the day but now his outstanding performances are behind a desk or in a car when he goes out to show you some great property and take care of you and what you're looking for so give them a call that's james smith realty paulie's vacation rentals.com 843-237-4246 and don't delay because you know the best properties will be scooped up they'll be uh they'll be uh uh, taken up, and you won't be able to find exactly uh, what you're looking for, though they'll do the best they can to put you in the right spot. So make sure you act early. Paulie'sVacationRentals.com, 843-237-4246 is the number. All right, let's just finish up with our picking panel and what we've done here with the playoffs. Uh, we've got Dr. Rick, um, and we'll do playoffs and also the Clemson game. So Dr. Rick, 
Uh, Doug Rick, number one draft pick, he likes Clemson tomorrow. He likes Washington, and he likes Michigan in the playoffs. Smitty likes Kentucky tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He also likes Washington and Alabama. Uh, Kevin Cohen, our leader, he likes the Tigers. He likes Washington. He likes Alabama. Bobby Big Kahuna Harton, who went 4-1 and one, uh, last weekend of the regular season. No, that would be 4-1 uh, and one in the championship weekend. Uh, he's taking the Tigers. He's taking Texas. He's taking Alabama. Fran, the money coach, uh, Halloran. He's going with the Tigers, Texas, and Alabama. Teddy Hefner, he likes the Tigers, Texas, and Alabama. Uh, bad boy, Clemson, Texas, Alabama. Uh, Pete Yannitator uh, likes the Tigers. He likes Washington. He likes Alabama. Jim Corbett, attorney for the Stars, going with Clemson, Washington, and Alabama. And uh, Big Daddy Don Williams, the Tigers, the Longhorns, and Michigan for him. And, of course, uh, Big Don went 5-0, and 5-0 on the championship wow. weekend. He, he hurled the perfecto championship weekend. So there you go. That's uh, what we look like as far as uh, the Clemson game and the playoffs are concerned. Speaking of Alabama, did you see the story today or may have come out late yesterday afternoon that uh, Nick Saban was not allowing his players to view a video of Michigan on their own personal iPads because of the sign-stealing issues? So they can only watch video of, of I guess, Michigan uh, in group settings. The thinking there being what? They would be I guess thrown they, off they might hack into the iPad the and figure out, yeah, exactly, what they're trying to discern from Michigan. Wow. Who would hack? <laughs> well, you were talking about paranoid. I mean, like, who, who does he think is going to hack into the iPads? I, I, I guess he I figures mean, if Michigan is clever enough to send somebody to every game, why they mm-hmm. probably have somebody who's computer savvy enough to hack into their iPads. I don't know, but that's that's the reason that they. My, my guess is my guess is my guess is is that maybe um, he doesn't want his players maybe seeing leaving them around Michigan on too. film. Well, seeing Michigan on film giving signs and doing things because they probably have changed everything going into this game versus what they did in the regular season. Because I, I, I mean, I can't come up with. I don't know. That's that's the only thing I can think of. He doesn't want them to be thrown off of what they're seeing from the sidelines of Michigan in the regular season. Yeah, I, I don't know either, and I'm not sure Alabama will let anybody know until after the game, anyhow. But yep, that's what uh, Nick Saban has imposed. They can only watch film of the uh, Wolverines in group settings. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, somebody can explain that to us after the game. Uh, Today, we had the two head coaches, separate um, media sessions, each brought uh, three players. So let's go to uh, the Clemson presser. We'll hear just from Dabo Sweeney. He also brought uh, Will Shipley with him. Uh, He he brought Will Putnam with him. Uh, And he brought, uh, as the third member of uh, the crew with the Tigers, he brought Tyler Davis with him. So – here is Sweeney, gave a few opening comments, and then he dove into his thoughts about uh, being in the Gator Bowl and also about taking on this Kentucky football team that uh, they are now favored by four points against. Here's Dabo Sweeney. Just been a great week. It's been fast. I mean, we play in 24 hours. Uh, it's unbelievable how fast this week's gone. We've had a, we've had, uh, uh, a really great experience down here. I uh, really appreciate the everybody with the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl uh, for 
just all the effort that goes into making it uh, happen and making it a fun week. There's a lot of moving parts, and I know there's a lot of volunteers and a lot of uh, people that just, you know, work all year really to make this a great experience for everyone. And I know there's a lot that, that goes into the community uh, as well. But it's been, uh, it's, been a, it's been a really good week. Uh, we've had some fun. We've got a lot of work done. Uh, we've had great, you know, practice. We really appreciate Fernandina Beach and, and their access to practice there. We had to come over here one day to the Jags uh, on Christmas Day. But uh, it's been really good preparation back at home and also down here. And, and now it's time to play. Um, got a, got uh, a lot of respect for this team. We're getting ready to play. And know it's going to be a, a very competitive game. But uh, just really appreciate you know, the opportunity to be here and excited that the time to play has finally come. Hey, Gary Smith from the Florida Times Union. Coach, did you ever, did you think you had seen the last of Devin Leary? Uh, you never know. Uh, today's world, that's for sure. But good, good football player. We've seen him, obviously, several times and got a lot of respect for him. He's a, he's a, uh, a guy that's going to have a chance to play at the next level for sure. Uh, but, yeah, you never know. I mean, it just kind of pops up. You know, we've seen a couple of quarterbacks this year that we thought we were we were done with, and uh, you see them again. Uh, Beth Hull, Fox Carolina, and Greenville. Dabo, uh, almost to the day, it'll be uh, a year since Cade Klubnick made his first career start for Clemson. Talked to him yesterday about it a little bit, the growth that he's had and the journey that this year has been. Um, just your thoughts on, on his growth and um how much he has grown and commanded that role as the leader of this team at quarterback? It has been tremendous. I mean, I think, you know, if you really watched us all year, you, it's, it's easy to see that. I mean, he's, he, the game has slowed down for him, and especially these last, uh, the last month or so, I mean, he's, he's really settled in. And, uh, you know, he's uh, just got good poise in the pocket. He's, he's, he's making good decisions. Uh, he's really, the biggest thing is he's used his legs uh, in a very timely fashion for us. He's made some big plays there, extended drives, created some big plays, um, you know, with his legs as well. So, um, you know, he's still got a whole nother level. There's another level of physical development that, that he has to have between now and next year. But for a first-year starter, uh, he did a lot of good things. You know, we're in position to win every game. And, um, you know, he's, he's battle-tested, um, much different than he was this time last year. He's a, he's a little bit more, you know, got a little thicker skin and, and uh, just more water under the bridge. And, and it's a developmental game and certainly a developmental position. And if you're made of the right stuff and you, you have the right type of character and work ethic and obviously you got to have the talent to go with it, um, then you're going to get better. And that's, that's exactly what I see with this kid. So I'm, I'm excited about uh, how he's finished the year. And, uh, you know, he's had really, really good preparation. I was just telling him uh, two days ago, I was just, you know, just, just standing behind him. He just you can see that things have, have settled down for him a little bit as a young player. So he's got a lot, lot uh, of opportunity to grow in front of him, and he'll work to get there. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be a, a really great winner for us. Um, so I'm proud of him, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he'll have his best game. Coach Stoops got up here and gave you guys a lot of praise for this program. What is it about the product that you put out this season, do you think, that has earned that level of respect? Uh, we've played tough. You know, I think we've been a very physical football team every single game. Um, we've been in position to win every single game. And, uh, you know, we've had 
tough, tough breaks uh, in a couple of games. Ball hadn't quite bounced our way, but, you know, the guys have responded. They've shown a lot of resiliency. You know, they just kept coming. And, uh, and then we, we finished well, you know. Uh, so uh, we've, got a, we've got a talented football team that, that, again, if you really pay attention, they, they've improved, they've gotten better, and we've cut out some of the costly mistakes that have really, really hurt us uh, early part of the year. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's a lot to like about our team, for sure. Todd Summers, WSPA-TV. We've, we've heard you talk a little bit about it, but what is lost from this defense that's been so great this year when you lose some key guys, whether it's opt-outs, transfer portal, but you don't have Jeremiah Trotter, you don't have Ruka Roro, you don't have Nate Wiggins, you don't have Andrew Makuba. How much different should we expect this defense to look? Uh, well, yeah, you, you know, it's kind of like if you have an injury, you know, we've had – those, some of those guys have had to miss games for whatever reasons. Uh, next guy's got to go play. And, and I think one of the reasons we've been a top 10 defense this year is because we've had really good functional depth. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what you'll see in this game. I mean, yeah, we're going to miss Jeremiah. He's a great player, but uh, Woodass has played a lot of football. And uh, he, he's got a lot of experience. This is, this is game 13 of his sophomore year. So uh, those guys have to step up, just like you know any other position. Certainly, uh, you know, tough to not have your, your, your a great linebacker like that. And then Nate is not there, so uh, next guy's got to step up. You know, just like he's he missed a game earlier this year. Next guy had to step up. Uh, so Av and and uh, Shelton have have gotten some good experience throughout the season. They're they're confident. Uh, those guys got to. Got to be ready to roll, and um, I think Shelton. I think it's his first start, but he's he's played a good bit and uh, really liked where he is from a confidence standpoint. He's had great preparation, and uh, and then D tackles a position that we've had great depth at all year. So, just means Peter Woods instead of being listed as a co-starter, he gets to run out there first. Uh, so I mean that's it's it's you, you miss those guys, but we're thankful that we've got some guys that have have played a lot of winning football for us and have good experience to, to lean on um, on that side of the ball. And then, you know, the, the development of Khalil Barnes and what he's been able to do throughout the year. Kylan Griffin, we're getting Jalen Phillips back. Uh, he's a guy that's been out for, for several games now. So hopefully that will help us uh, fill that void a little bit with, uh, with, with Makuba. Over here, Michael Epps, uh, Fox 56 Sports in Lexington. Debo, what do you see out of this Kentucky football team? What do they do well out there, and what are you guys going to look to try to neutralize? Well, they're tough. They're physical. I mean, you know, listen, you know, talk about any of the Stoops guys. I mean, they're all defensive guys. They're all tough guys, and, and I think their teams take on that personality. Uh, Coach Stoops been a, was a, a great defensive coordinator uh, as well, and, so, you know, they're, they're built to stop the run, and they're built to run the ball. That's when you, when you watch them, that's really what it comes down to. Um, they're, they're a lot of motions, a lot of, a lot of different things that they try to create offensively, but at the end of the day, they want to run the ball. They want to play action you. Uh, but I think they've got good players at every single position. You know, they've got some guys outside that, have, that they've really spread the ball out. It's pretty balanced. And then that dadgum back, I mean, it's hard. You don't get lucky and lead the SEC in touchdowns. That, that's not something you just luck into. Uh, tough, tough physical dude, uh, big guys up front, and then obviously Leary is a very experienced quarterback. And then defensively, same thing. You know, they're one of the best run defenses in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're stout. 
they're stout, uh, all three levels, you know, active and physical at safety, linebackers downhill, big, strong dudes up front. Uh, you know, that, that, that zero is one of the biggest guys that we've seen. And uh, so, you know, just well coached and, again, pride themselves on being a team that stops the run and, and, and that you don't run on them. That's kind of how they're built. And uh, so that's the challenge in this game is trying to win that matchup up front. For Deb, I know you've addressed this a little bit already, but anything you wanted to add or clarify about the Canard situation, they put out another video kind of on some allegations. No, no, I've spoken on all that already. Nothing to add. Uh, Scott Kiefer with the Greenville News. Dabo, last week, what was your reaction when you heard Florida State would be suing the ACC? Uh, what was my reaction? Um, what was my reaction? Uh, I don't think I really had a reaction. I'm, I'm, it's like, it wasn't a, like a... Wow. Uh, you know, I didn't really have a reaction other than just, well, okay, all right, let's see what happens. I don't know. You know, just like everybody else, you know, uh, read, the, read, the, read the article uh, or one of the articles and just informed to myself. I didn't really have a reaction. Went to practice. Uh, Ryan Black with the Courier Journal. Dabo, this is for you. You know, Kentucky's players heading into this, they'd been very open about the fact that there's just more excitement around this bowl game. And they didn't out and out say this, but there was kind of the implication that guys maybe would not have played in this bowl game if they weren't facing you and the statement it can make beating Clemson. What does that say about where your program is and how much of a target there still is on your back basically every game? Just another week. It's that way every week. You know, every time we line up to play uh... – you know, that's just that's what comes with coming to Clemson. You come to Clemson, that's that's every single game. You're going to get everybody's best every single week. We talk about that all the time. It doesn't matter who we play, or where we play, or what time we play. Um, whoever we play, we're going to get their best. You know, and again, Clemson is a place when the schedule comes out, people look and they go, "When we play in Clemson," and that's just part of being at this great university. And uh, so. We, we understand that. We don't really – I mean, we just we, – that's why we talk about playing to a standard all the time. You know, we gotta, we got to do our best each and every week. Our preparation has to be great each and every week. doesn't matter who you play, what the record is, what people – none of that. Uh, we know we're going to get everybody's best. And if you have that mindset, then you'll prepare the right way for every single game, whether you're in your opener, whether you're – playing a non-conference team uh, in the middle of the season or you're finishing uh, in the postseason. All right, comments of Dabo Sweeney. By the way, Will Shipley was asked about his future plans, and, of course, you got the typical answer that he's focused on the bowl game, do the best he can in the bowl game, take some time after the bowl game to finalize uh, whatever plans he has for the future. It just seems to me, guys, if, if he were coming back, if that was – going to be his decision that's something he could have already said at this point i mean he could still come back he still wants to weigh things out but um obviously there 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 is some you know annoying in his mind right now be right back 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people, and it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more. Kansas State leading NC State 14-0. That game is headed towards the end of the first half, the uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl. A little bit more on Clemson and NC State. Looking ahead to uh, tomorrow, noon kickoff in Jacksonville in the Gator Bowl. First meeting for uh, Mark Stoops, uh, for him, against Clemson as the head coach at Kentucky. This will be the second for Dabo Sweeney against Kentucky. Um, in his first full year, remember, as the Tigers head coach in the cold. Well, that was a the two worst bowl games I think I've ever been to back-to-back. I went to Nashville for Clemson and Kentucky. I'm trying to remember the order. I think that was first. And it was um, like 29 degrees. Uh, and then I was in Birmingham like the next day or maybe oh two gosh. days later for South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. And oh, it was awful. It was awful. It was, and that, and Birmingham was even colder and had no pizza. Yes, That's back when no it pizza, was the pizza the Papa bowl. John bowl. Yep. 
had no pizza. The Gamecocks played terribly. They played Connecticut, I believe it was, and they played terribly and got beat. Clemson did beat Kentucky. Might have been the other way around. Might have been the Gamecocks first and then the Clemson game second. But it was cold at both of them. Uh, and, you know, I think um, just looking at these two teams, I think a ball possession will be critical. Protecting the football, which is something Clemson oh, yeah. has done better over their last four games. They're still ranked very poorly nationally. Um, they're 12, 128th nationally uh, with 13 lost fumbles. They're 98th in total turnovers. Now, they've been better you know, in November. Uh, after turning it over 15 times in the first eight games, they turned it over six times in their last four. Still, that's 21, but they've gotten 24, so they're still on the plus side of the turnover battle. But protecting the football will be crucial. Kentucky has lost it 16 times, so they've been, they've been better. The other thing here is running the football. Uh, Kentucky's defense has been very good, like Clemson's defense, been very good against the run. Uh, the difference is Clemson has also been very good against the pass. They're among the nation's best against the pass. Kentucky's among the nation's worst against the pass, which makes you think you got to be careful here if you're Garrett Riley not to be sucked in by that, right? Because you, for Clemson to be successful, they've got to have Shipley and Moffa and Klubnik running the football with some success. Listening to Dabo, and he was talking about the maturation and how much better Kate Klubnik has looked the last four games to wrap up this season. Part of the reason, and, and maybe the whole reason he has, is because they've leaned much more heavily on the run game. Over their last four games, Clemson has rushed for almost 900 yards, Phil, and Klubnik's only thrown for 630. He hasn't had to throw it much. I mean, he had 100 yards passing against South Carolina. That was enough because their run game and their defense was so stout that the Gamecocks weren't going to move it enough to ever threaten uh, putting Cade Klubnik in a situation where he had to throw the ball down the field. I mean, you take out the Georgia Tech game where he had four passing touchdowns. He's only thrown two TDs his last four. So the reason he's looked so much better, as Dabo pointed out, is because of the two guys behind him in Will Shipley and Phil Maffa, and that's got to be the game plan tomorrow against Kentucky as well. Don't forget, though, last year in the bowl game, he threw for 320 yards, and he rushed for 51 yards. But he did throw two interceptions, Mm -hmm. and he did have some breakdowns in terms of running the offense, especially near the end of the first half. But he showed he could throw it when given the opportunity with good receivers. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel. Ben Portnoy joining us in just a second with the Port Authority. Got a few things to touch on very quickly. Our poll question of the week, which I really haven't mentioned like I should, but it is a follow-up on last week, which is our vote on the state's most outstanding player. And since we had three different polls running last week, With that question, we took the top four vote-getters and put them together into one final vote. And so right now, 522 votes in. Xavier Leggett at 56.3%. 
Jeremiah Trotter at 21.6, Spencer Rattler at 17.8, and Tyler Huff at 4.2. You still have more time to vote, so let's get her done. Uh, Clemson announced their game captains for tomorrow. Uh, Hamp Green, Tyler Davis, Justin Maskell, um, Will Shipley, uh, Will Putnam, and uh, Jonathan Weitz. Those will be your captains for the Tigers tomorrow when they take on the Wildcats of Kentucky. Coastal Carolina safety Clayton Isbell has declared for the NFL draft. Did he have any time left? Here's the thing. We we see so many guys declare for the draft that don't actually have any time left right. to play. Did he have time left to play? Phil, I'd have to go back and, and figure out all the way through his career up until he got to Coastal Carolina. I, th- I think everybody's got another year, right? So you have to go ahead and announce. But, no, I, I think he was done, but I'm not – don't hold me to that. But all he needs to do is send in his tape from the UCLA game. He had three interceptions against the Bruins to begin the season. So – that, that would be a pretty good way to start your NFL resume, for sure. Well, I think some, um, if they had a, if they wanted to appeal for another year, right. they might, it would be like um, uh, Jordan Strawn, for example. He actually, I, I believe, could have a, he was like in his seventh year and could still appeal for another year because of injury mm-hmm. that shortened the season, but obviously he's opted to, to move on. Isabel uh, Florence made Justin a- Watts. I was going to say, Isabel was listed as a super senior, so that would indicate he's done in college. Uh, Florence native Justin Watts moving to Duke as tight ends coach after being at uh, Appalachian State. So congratulations to him. Moving on up the line there in coaching. All right, let's welcome in Ben Portnoy, another edition of the Port Authority here on Sports Talk. Ben, formerly with the state newspaper, now with the Sports Business Journal looking at issues all across the country related to uh, athletics and the business world. Welcome in, Ben. Hope you had a great Christmas. What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me. Definitely uh, excited for uh, for the new year and uh, lots of bowl games and all that good stuff. For sure, for sure. So what is the mood around your office when you guys talk about the current status of bowls in college football outside of the, the playoff games uh, do you sense that the money is still there, that the, the interest is still there? And with the expansion coming up, what do y'all kind of foresee happening with the bowl world moving forward, say, five or ten years down the road? You know, I think the bowl system's in a really fascinating spot on, on a lot of levels. I think that, for one, you've got a system that was, you know, created for really a previous era or maybe even two or three previous eras if we want to go back beyond sort of the BCS and all of that, uh, that still is kind of there but different. And I I think that, you know, certainly players opting out has been a big piece of that. I think that, you know, the playoff has, for lack of a better term, diminished some of these New Year's Six games or maybe they're, you you know, perceived a little bit differently. You know, you have a couple of teams like Georgia and Florida State that are going to be playing and, uh, in a normal year, right, they're, they're meeting in a bowl, big time New Year's, uh, New Year's Six bowl game would, would be a big, huge deal, but uh, maybe feels like a little bit of a consolation prize and missing out on the playoff. But I, I do think that bold games are starting to diversify. I, I do think that they're looking at kind of how they can expand their roles and their realms and what they do. And I think that, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some, some bowls start to dip into some other things and, uh, you know, f- sort of 
give themselves reason to exist beyond just uh, you know the one game a year. Hmm. What do you foresee there? What could they do? Well, you know, I think a good example is, is the Duke's Mayo Bowl is a good example, and the folks at the Charlotte Sports Foundation who do run that game are a good example. They put on, you know, a handful of basketball tournaments this year. Obviously had uh, Iowa and Virginia Tech play with Caitlin Clark in town in Charlotte earlier this year and put that on uh, the Jumpman Invitational not too long ago, but just a couple of weeks ago um, with UNC and Michigan and a couple other teams. So uh, Oklahoma, I believe, too. So, you know, you've seen them go into this sort of, I guess, event management space is maybe the best way to describe it. Um, putting on things beyond just bowl games and then some of these corporations that are sort of underneath the bowl games uh, have sort of diversified their assets and looked at other ways that they can be involved, you know, 365 days a year again, because bowl games are certainly a big profit. Um, you know, they bring in lots of profits, they bring in a lot of money, but but they do also only happen once a year. And I think that, you know, like any business, when you try to diversify your assets, you want to look for things that fit. And I think that, you know, that's just a, a small example of one that uh, I think makes a lot of sense for a lot of uh, a lot of places and a lot of uh, companies. So I think uh, the big story that shook the world last week was the news about, well, actually, I guess if you go chronologically, the ACC sued Florida State first or took the first court action. And then Florida State uh, turned around and announced it. Um, was that last week or the week before? Uh, my weeks have run together with the holidays. Well, the most recent thing to happen that, that has shaken up the college sports world. So in, in Florida State, um, you know, they're trying to have their thing heard down in Florida, down in Leon County. has been assigned to a judge down there. Uh, ACC wants it heard in North Carolina. Um, this This sounds like an ugly – divorce happening it sounds like you know they each need to call those uh, those divorce lawyers out of missouri that uh, that only work for men or only work for women um and, and let them go head to head with this thing uh you see any any um way either side can save face with this i mean is, is florida state going to get what they want is the acc going to keep hold their feet to the fire and keep them wrapped into into the league what's going to happen well i i would say that it dates back a little bit, right? You know, kind of like you mentioned, this this timeline isn't exactly new. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, Florida State's been sort of yelling and, and screaming and kind of shouting from the rooftops that they had issue with the ACC in, in a number of different ways. You know, it started out with revenue distribution. The ACC has gone and, and sort of taken on this new way of distribu- distributing revenue that will go into effect, I believe, next year. Um in which teams with sort of more on-field success will be divvied up. Uh, we'll have a pot of revenue that will be divvied up amongst those teams that basically bring in um, the most success on the field. Uh, you go again, now moving forward, Florida State has, has obviously had issues with, with the ACC in the past and you know where it stood in terms of uh, college football and, and the hierarchy there. And, and I think you're seeing this is sort of just the latest thing in that sort of saga. Now, I think you're right. I think this feels like a divorce waiting to happen. Now the question is, how does that actually happen? And is it going to happen, you know, two years from now? Is it going to happen five years from now? Is it going to happen six months from now? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. There's a lot of lawyers trying to figure that out. But um, I, I think that, you know, to my understanding and speaking with folks in the ACC office and and, and who are around this all the time, I, I think they feel that this grant of rights is airtight. I mean, they feel that this is, a document that is binding and that Florida State's defense is functionally, you know, in so many words, we signed a bad deal and we want to get out of it. And I don't know that that's, not, you know, certainly there are lawyers and others that, that have degrees in this field and, and are more experts on the legal side of this than I am. But 
But I do think that you're in a situation where Florida State, legally speaking, and at least when you look at their legal standing, is probably a little bit of a weak case. But I do think that if the case is heard in Tallahassee uh, and all of that comes with that, um, you know, that will be a that will be an issue to uh, to monitor at the very least. You know, and as long as Florida State stays in the league, now that this legal action is taking place, though, think about this. You're a Florida State fan. Every sporting event that you play that has ACC officials, any call that goes against you, I mean, you know what the, the common fan's going to think. See, the ACC office, they're, they're trying to stick it to the Seminoles because of this lawsuit. We can't get a, we can't get a fair call. We can't get – any kind of uh, even-handedness here uh, now that we're still in the ACC, but we got this lawsuit going in. I think, I mean, you know, the, the perception of the F- Florida State faithful will be that the league office is a, is against them, not only off the field but on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think that you know, you look at there will certainly probably be revisionist history if Florida State goes out and is killed by Georgia in a, you know what a couple of days. I think that's fair. I think that's going to happen, and that's just kind of how we are as, as a society, right, a little bit. But I do think mm-hmm. that it, it's a messy situation in that, again, Florida State has, has done a lot of sort of grandstanding and saber-rattling about this without any real intention or ability to get out of this. Now, you know, something that came up in the board meeting that Florida State had just last week, I guess it was on Friday, uh, right before Christmas, naturally, because the news never slows down. But <laughs> I do think that – uh, you know, one thing that was brought up was that this is something that Florida State's been looking at for a year. I mean, they've been gathering information and preparing for this lawsuit for about a year. Now, you know, take that with a grain of salt, and maybe it hasn't been quite a year, but I do think that, you know, that this, this is something that Florida State has clearly been doing their homework on and preparing for. Uh, those in the ACC have been doing the same thing. Uh, again, I think the other part to this that's really important to note is that uh, there's an ESPN option in the deal uh, that the ACC has signed with ESPN, uh, that would extend it for nine years uh, through 2036, as we had all sort of perceived that that was when the deal would end. But the option actually is in tw- after 2027. So if we're talking about, you know, what, two, three years down the line, is the SPN going to re-up and take that option if Florida State's not part of the ACC? The answer is probably not, or it will look very different, right, because the ACC is going to be worth a different number with, with Florida State out of the fold probably. So I, I think that you know, those are pieces of this that are still yet to be determined and still have to be monitored. And I think, uh, again, it's a really, really messy situation that uh, does not seem to be getting any cleaner. It's the Port Authority with Ben Portnoy of the Sports Business Journal here tonight on Sports Talk. And uh, Ben, sort of sticking with the Florida State situation, two-part question for you. First off, they found a judge who is actually a two-time alumnus of Florida State University to hear the lawsuit. So uh, obviously they found a very friendly judge. First off, how can that, that be? And wouldn't he be forced to recuse himself from that because of his bias clearly towards Florida State? And secondly, the lawsuit's if I'm not mistaken, alleges that the ACC has violated multiple state laws. Is that an indication that they've talked to other people in the Atlantic Coast Conference, i.e. Clemson and other schools, and they want to sort of lump everybody in as opposed to just saying, hey, look, this violates Florida state law, which would make more sense to me if it's only Florida state's problem. But it sounds like they've tried to pigeonhole this into a situation where it's not just Florida state's problem, but it may be Clemson's problem, and it may also be NC state's problem. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start on the back end of what would happen here probably in that, look, if Florida State gets out of the grant of rights, you will probably see other teams leave. And uh, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's really a secret, right? There's plenty of teams 
uh, you know, schools, I should say, Clemson being one of them, North Carolina being one of them, uh, that were against adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU uh, not too long ago. And there's clearly some turmoil there, whether that's you know public or private, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that said, as far as the legal statutes and where these things were filed, again, like I'm not a legal expert, but I, I can tell you that in my sort of understanding of this and, and the reading, talking to people who are experts in this, uh, you know, Florida State would file this under state law because it would be something that could be heard uh, in Tallahassee, presumably by a favorable judge, right? Right. They would file this. If it's filed in federal court, that becomes, you know, a, a more of a crapshoot on whether a judge is going to listen to your argument or not. Now, if you file it in state court and fi- say that, you know, I believe one of the things that uh, Florida State's alleging is that, that the ACC basically violated antitrust law, uh, the state, state of Florida's antitrust law, uh, mm-hmm. by not sort of doing its due diligence and getting them a better deal for the grant of rights, or excuse me, for the, the media contract that it ultimately signed with ESPN. Um, you know, that's in state court again, because Florida state in theory would get a more favorable judgment, a more favorable judge, which in this case on paper at least seems that way. Uh, and it's a way to keep it out of federal court. Now, like you mentioned at the top, the ACC has filed its own lawsuit in, in Mecklenburg County in Charlotte and basically said that, uh, as I understand it, basically in hopes of saying this is not a Florida issue. This is a if this is an ACC issue, this is something should, that should be heard in Charlotte. And it's kind of the same argument, right? You know, they want to have it heard by a judge that would be in theory more favorable toward the ACC. So it, it's sort of a game of like where are we going to play this game? Um, and I think that you know you're seeing that fight, and I don't think it's going to be uh, it's not going to be clear necessarily very quickly. But uh, there should be a hearing here soon at some point to. Uh, to get something, some of that settled. Sort of shifting gears back to your comments earlier about the uh, bowl situation with Phil was asking you about where, where we'll be five, ten years down the road. With regards to actual fans showing up to the bowl games, and I'm sure every single bowl game would love to have a packed house, 65,000, 70,000, whatever it is at whatever stadium. But in, in all honesty, do the Bulls need fans to actually come, or are they better served as long as it's on ESPN or Fox or CBS? They're happy with the TV deal. And how important are us fans actually going to the games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's frankly not all that different than, you know, what we see day to day in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, regular season, right? Like, the reality is the money in college sports right now is coming from media rights deals. It's coming from putting games on TV, streaming, you know, whatever iteration comes next, right? And I think that the butts in seats part of the argument is certainly a big part of it, but you're also seeing why stadiums are shrinking in size and, and you know, attendance has gone down most places. And, and some of that's a product of, you know, people wanting more luxury seating, people wanting to watch games from their couch, et cetera, et cetera. And I think bowl games aren't immune to that, right? Like, I, I think that, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I would bet that if you look at bowl attendance over the last 10 years, it's probably declined. But the flip side of that is that the money has probably gone up as far as TV revenue. Right. Um, now, it, it's sort of this weird inverse relationship where you might have less people in the stands, but you're still making more money because people are watching it on TV. And I think that, you know, that's kind of where we're at in the bowl argument. And I think that college football, college sports, and frankly, sports at large are, are kind of in this weird dynamic of people want to go to games, but if they want to, go, if they go to a game, they want it to be, feel like they're sitting on their couch. And I think that that's it's a really interesting dynamic and I think it's one we're not going to see a resolution on probably for, you know, whatever, five, 10, 20 years, whatever that might be uh, because we are seeing such a generational shift on that front. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, beautiful picture on your Twitter 
on your Twitter page, your X page, formerly known as Twitter, of you and the family from your from your Christmas. So it looks like the Portnoy's and others got together and had a big time. They did. They did. It was definitely uh, lots of uh, lots of cheer to be had. So it was a uh, it was a very nice time, and I'm glad to catch a few days off and uh, gearing up uh, to head to Houston for the national title game here next week. So looking forward to it. Oh, great. Well, we look forward to having you next week. We'll uh, get your thoughts on that and other developments between now and then. But have a happy new year. Ring it in safely, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ben. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That's our man, Ben Portnoy. You can follow Ben on X, formerly known as Twitter. How how much longer do we have to say that? Can't we just say X? I think you're the we only one that says that. Formerly known yeah, as Twitter. Exactly. You I mean, can just call it Twitter. Let's call it Twitter. Yeah, let's just keep, keep calling it Twitter. It's Especially name since you is yelled at X. Elon Musk. The domain is still Twitter. <laughs> Everything else is still Twitter. It's okay but to call it Twitter. His name is X. It's and called X. You go by what you're so somebody upset wants with to Twitter be or X or mm. Elon. Might as well just let mm. it go. Since you failed at him a couple of times about our poll questions not working properly. I have. I don't know if it's been fixed. Or maybe I'm doing it wrong. But I don't I don't think I am. Anyway, you can follow Ben uh, at bportnoy15, at bportnoy15. And he does a great job. We appreciate him spending time he's with really us. You smart. can read his writing at the sportsbusinessjournal.com. Yeah, he's so much smarter than us. It's not even funny. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, and he talks a lot faster than us. He gets a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. Let's run to our break, uh, and we'll be back uh, dropping some recruiting for you. Uh, bottom of the hour, we'll come back with Zach Willis, X's and O's. Usually it's uh, first and ten with Zach. This will be fourth and one uh, because we're one day away from the game. So we'll have him. Uh, and then some comments from uh, the Kentucky side of things. Coach Mark Stoops talks about facing Clemson and his concerns there. And we'll be back after this break. Don't go away. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at SCCattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, Now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? 
transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, recruiting time brought to you by Seawells. Hey, they'll be back open next week after the holiday for the daily luncheon buffet for uh, all you good folks who make plans to get back out to Seawells starting next week. And, of course, you got something coming up in the new year that requires the supremo delivery of the best service in the catering business. Just give Seawells a call at 803-771-7385. Uh, defensive end Anthony Addison from Sumter, 6'3", 215, told us he was really surprised when he got his offer from South Carolina on the weekend he was in for the Clemson game. He'd grown up uh, going to South Carolina games a lot, and he's taken several recruiting visits there and kind of had a feeling it might happen at some point, and it finally came on that particular day. Uh, he had a monster junior year, 96 tackles, 25 for loss, six sacks. Uh, he knows that the Gamecocks need to get to the quarterback more after only having 21 sacks this season. So if he ends up going there, he thinks that's one way he can help them out. Tennessee, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, Liberty, South Florida, Charlotte, Appalachian State, Georgia State, Old Dominion, Jacksonville State, among his other offers. He's planning to attend junior days at South Carolina and maybe Cincinnati, Tennessee, and South Florida. USC offered Miami of Ohio transfer receiver Gage Larvadian, 5'10", 165. They also offered James Madison transfer receiver Elijah Surratt, 6'2", 207. They have interest in Troy transfer receiver Jabray Barber, 5'10", 175. USC target linebacker Mantrez Walker, Buford, Georgia, set an official to LSU for January 20th. Safety Jordan Young of Monroe, North Carolina, has Clemson and USC in his top 13 that he announced tonight. 
That's recruiting. We'll be back after the break. At halftime, NC State trailing Kansas State 21-10. Boston College beats SMU, his future eighth. Does that count as an ACC win? Boston College over <laughs> SMU 23-14. That's a final. Rutgers beat Miami 31-24. Still to come tonight, Arizona and Oklahoma. Clemson, Kentucky, they get the early start on everybody tomorrow. That's at noon. Then Oregon State, Notre Dame, Memphis, Iowa State, uh, Missouri, Ohio State tomorrow night to uh, wrap things up. Then we go into the weekend. Let's get some deep thoughts, some deep thoughts on the Tigers and the Wildcats. Normally first and ten with Zach Willis because he's with us first part of the week. This being the uh, night before the game, we'll call this fourth and one because there's only one more day to go. And he's probably the fourth person we've talked to about it this week. But his ideas will be fresh because he knows the Tigers and he lives in Kentucky, so he knows the Wildcats. Coach, hope you had a great Christmas and welcome in once again to Sports Talk. Great to have you. Thank you so much, Phil. Did you have a great Christmas? I did. How about you? How did Hanukkah go? It was great. It's fantastic. I'm glad you had a good one. Um, I'm sure Santa Claus was good to you and Sarah and everybody else. Absolutely, always has been, and hopefully will continue to be till my days are over. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully that's way on, way on down the road. You being <laughs> such the the fitness nut, as is your wife, I'm sure you're going to keep each other in great shape moving forward. Unlike some other people I know on this show, uh, Chris Bergen. Um, yes, I'm more squishy. <laughs> that's what happens when you go to Hawaii for ten days. Yes. Santa Claus is really uh, good to me, Coach. (laughs) Me too. Let's uh, let's talk about the game. Uh, I foresee low scoring. Uh, You you look at these two teams, uh, they both like to run the football. Uh, They both uh, can stop the run. So I think one thing will be which one does the better job there. And protecting the football, I think, is going to be huge because I think – I think your your possessions might be limited to some degree. Um, so what is your take? What's going to swing this game one way or another, in your opinion? Well, I think, you know, obviously the, one of the immediate impacts you see when you first start breaking this game down is who's not playing in the game. And um, Clemson's got three starters on defense plus – well, four really because, you know, uh, they have the three NFL guys, and, and obviously linebacker Jeremiah Trotter is an incredible player. Wiggins is a first-round draft pick, it looks like. Aurora Rowe is a really good against the run. And then you, you're losing Makuba, who I don't know why he's transferring, what's going on there, but a great football player. Um, now, they have people that can replace them. And Kentucky's losing two offensive linemen. And it sounds like maybe their tailback may not play. I couldn't get a clear read on that. Oh, he is playing. for sure. He is. Well, he is playing. Ray me. Davis that's, is playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good. that's good for the fans, too, uh, because he's a heck of a player and a lot of fun to watch. I do know quite a bit about both of these football teams. These are two very well-coached teams. These are two high-character teams. This ought to be a pretty good football game, and I can see it being very physical. 
um, and being a lower scoring game. Uh, you know, the biggest thing about uh, these teams, two, both of them kind of less had seasons. Uh, they finished on high notes. Both of them did. Um, Clemson's a big thing, I think, Phil, is just don't beat yourself. And your talent should be enough to win a close ball game. But they've got to win the turnover battle or at least break even. And Kentucky's very opportunistic if you don't. What's been the mood around the state of Kentucky about this Kentucky team all season? I I, I guess they did not achieve what they had hoped to achieve. Um, They did end up beating Louisville. Last game of the regular season in Louisville, I believe. So that that kind of healed some wounds there, I, I guess, going into the postseason. Stoops has got him into a bowl game once again. But, I mean, a couple of years ago, they were right there vying for the SEC East and thinking some really big things. Uh, and, and this year they kind of take a step back. So what, what is yeah. the mood in, in your state about this Kentucky team? Well, it, it is exactly that. It, it, they, they, it, the Louisville game was a huge uh, shot in the arm for the program. Um, but, you know, the quarterback situation, you know, getting, you know, a kid that was one of the ACC's, if not the best quarterback coming off last year, one of the top quarterbacks not only in the ACC but the entire country, and he just never could pick up the system. And down toward the end, things started coming together for them. But they started out on fire and, Ended up with a huge win, but kind of fizzled in the middle of the season. Of course, lost a really close game to the University of South Carolina. So Clemson has common opponents they can look at, engage off of. And I, you know, Kentucky fans are always are like Carolina fans are going to rally around their team. They're going to back them, but they are they're disappointed for sure in what they thought that the season would bring as to what it brought. Now. Uh, Stoops has done a phenomenal job. He's winning his coaching school history now, even above Bear Bryant. Um, so people are fairly high on him uh, and, and high on the team in general. Um, uh, philosophically speaking, you know, they're a much more conservative offense than what we've seen out of Clemson up until this year. Um, but I think Clemson enjoys the edge in big game experience and in being successful there from the years of it. And you I think last five years they've been top ten in the nation in recruiting. They're not a big portal team, uh, so they've got quality depth, and that should play out. But these bowl games, as you know, Phil, come down to bowl preparation, the attitude the teams take while they're down there in Florida getting ready as to who really comes out and jumps on who. Um, I can't see one of these teams laying an egg, though. Yeah. Talking with Zach Willis. What about Liam Cohen? You know, he was there. He goes to the pros. He comes back. And, I mean, their offense, um, it, it's sort of like with, with Garrett Riley at Clemson uh, in this in this year. Two highly acclaimed coordinators with great reputations, but you can't say that either offense has lit it up this season. No. I, I think, honestly, what it showed me in both places is these guys have a system they run. If the quarterback doesn't fit their system, they don't have the ability to adjust. Now, maybe that's a cheap shot, but I don't. I think it's obvious that you know you had two uh, kids that are highly acclaimed, and, and you know Dabo, I think, basically reined in the offense and realized, hey, we're better than these teams we're losing to. We quit being fancy and just run these two stud running backs we've got, and just make sure our quarterback doesn't beat us. We can win and play to our defense, which is our strength. And I think that's what Stoops. Stoops has done that for years. You're never going to light it up with him unless your team is just the Kentucky crowd 
is just far superior to somebody. They're not going to blow mm-hmm. a lot of people out. They just out tough people, a lot like we did at Michigan State. And being in the SEC, they're almost never out going to be you know outgunning anybody other than Vanderbilt on talent. So they're used to being in this position. And I think as far as the coordinators go, um, they're they're both of them need to adjust how they handle kids who don't fit into their slots and know how to do things. And, you know, I heard Dabo made a quote, I never said no so many times as I have this year on play calls, and I compliment him for that because it might not have been exciting, but he figured out how to win with a team he had and did it. And, I, yeah. and Coach Stoops has been doing that for years. Now, you know, Kentucky, you know, with Ray Davis, you got a guy that, is the leading touchdown maker in the SEC this year, running the football, um, number three in rushing in the league. This is a guy that ran well at behind Vanderbilt's offensive line. You put him behind Kentucky's offensive line, and now you really see what he can do. So this matchup of Clemson's defense against the Kentucky offensive line and also having to tackle Ray Davis, who's a he's a big yards-after-contact guy. You're not going to get him yeah. down on first contact or probably with one – one guy tackling him. But what about that matchup, despite what Clemson has lost? You know, they, they still have Peter Woods to plug in there. Um, it, it's, they, they still have Thomas back. They, they still have um, O'Maskell's playing. I mean, they lose Oro They lose Trotter. Trotter's a big loss. But, you know, Dabo feels like Woodass is a good player. Um, probably yeah. going to see more uh, Griffin in the, in the secondary to help replace uh, Mukaba having Jalen Phillips back will help there, but again up front that matchup with Kentucky's big offensive line. Uh, how do you think Clemson's going to do? How, how do you think they're going to handle that? Well, I think it'll be a really physical game. I think the team, the team that's got the best depth, which would go to Clemson, should really help them. Kentucky uh, does not play a fast pace. They're going like you said, possessions may be more precious in this game. Kentucky's one of the slowest operating offenses, most methodical offenses in the whole country, statistically speaking, whereas, you know, Clemson likes to hurry things up. Now, what that'll do is you probably won't see Clemson get worn down on the defensive side because they've got great depth. But also, Kentucky's pace is, you know, they they plod along. They're really physical. They want to pound the football. They're more like a Big Ten-style football team in that way. Uh, I think if Clemson uses their athleticism and their size – they move and slant their guys, bring some run blitzes because they still got Barrett in there who decided to come back, which is a massive, to me, uh, a massive deal. I mean, that, that kid is super talented. If he's not first-round material, I'd say he's top three for sure. Uh, uh-huh. Having him back is going to be huge for them. And like you said, you just start naming off all these other players. Wood has made some phenomenal plays this year, and we already know this. He's already proven himself. So, that, that D line up front is big, they're athletic, and they're deep. I think they'll do fine, but this is going to be a four-quarter game because Kentucky's going to drag it out if they can. If Clemson's executes in the red zone and that their backs run like they're capable of running and, you know, and their QB just plays in the system, doesn't try to win it himself, Kentucky does struggle with athletic quarterbacks still. And uh, he is most definitely uh, – Cade is an athletic kid. Um, it's you know it's it's gonna be a good game. I, I really would tell anybody you want to see a good football game. If you like real football, physical, right at your football, this ought to be one of the best matchups of the whole bowl season. I think. 
Mm-hmm. Fourth and one with Zach Willis here tonight on Sports Talk, getting ready for the Gator Bowl tomorrow between the uh, Kentucky Wildcats and the Clemson Tigers. And, Coach, is there any such thing as bowl momentum? And, you know, you have a Clemson team that won all of its games in November, really finished off the regular season on a high note. Louisville is the only team that Kentucky was able to beat of its last six, but that's a huge win for them, obviously, as you well know, in the state of Kentucky. So if there is such a thing as bowl momentum, how does it play into tomorrow, and how do you maintain it because these two teams haven't played in about a month? Well, I think I think one thing I'd say is you know, the Kentucky win is huge, but Clemson's legitimately better than they were. They've changed their approach. They've changed how they attack people offensively to fit their talent. Um, I think they are the better team going in here. Obviously, losing Trotter, Wiggins, Aurora Row, and Makuba hurt, but they have a culture, and, can, and and they have talent and culture, whereas Kentucky is kind of still feeling their way along with this new offensive coordinator who you know, is going to have to decide how bad he wants to win versus how bad he wants to run his system with a very talented quarterback transfer who's got one more shot here to make it count. And they had a huge win against uh, a Louisville team that was very good. But Clemson, your consistency to me, if you look back over the things, you win one out of your last six contests versus a team that was on a a legitimate roll, beating quality opponents like Notre Dame and uh, North Carolina. I mean, really, really good football that they played at the end of the year. I like where they're at, and I know from a standpoint of being prepared they're going to go down there and not leave any stone unturned. Dabo knows how important this bowl is leading in next year and also leading into finishing off recruiting. Kentucky is going to be a tough just they're, they're tough out no matter they this game with South Carolina, they were in the middle of that losing streak. They definitely did not play like a team on a big losing streak. They're going to come out and play hard. I would give the edge to Clemson and I do think there's bowl momentum. You look back over the years and, and Danny Ford was great at it, and Dabo's been great at it. And, and last year they struggled against Tennessee, and I think he's going to use that as motiv- motivation. Say we're playing an SEC team. This is what people from the SEC say about Clemson, blah, blah, blah. He's got a ton of ammunition he can use, and I look for him to use every bit of it motivationally and then come out and play like they're playing for the national championship. Talked about Devin Leary, the uh, Kentucky quarterback, and obviously most of the attention, I think, certainly regionally and for Clemson fans is probably on Ray Davis, their outstanding running back. But what should Tiger fans expect to see from Devin Leary? And if they watched any of the South Carolina game, completed about 50% of his passes for a touchdown and was sacked twice. I mean, is that the kind of guy they should anticipate seeing, somebody who's going to be much like Cade Klubnick, as you pointed out earlier, more of a game manager than going out and trying to win the game on his own? You know, I think that's what they're probably going to see, but I prepare for the North Carolina State version that really played them off their feet a couple of times. It's just as a, as a coach and an athlete, I always prepare for the absolute worst and hope for the best. You know, you know give them all the credit in the world in your preparation. When they know what kind of throws it make. They've got the video them in the dog fights in Raleigh and in Death Valley with this, this kid being an all-ACC quarterback and, you know, a kid that really had a high ceiling and just really, I think, mismanaged his future, honestly, by leaving NC State and going to Kentucky. But that's that's my opinion. That's all it is. But, you know, he's going to know Clemson. He's not. He's going to be very familiar with them. And that's going to be uh, – he's played these other games and not been familiar with these SEC teams. Now, it, you know, in a way, it's kind of like coming home for him. 
So it would be it'll be an interesting storyline to see how he performs against a team that he saw for three three years, you know, and, and played against and played fairly well from what I remember. I mean, NC State was always a big game and still is a big game for Clemson. So I would look at it that way, know this what this kid's capable of, um, but has not performed to that level this year. Of course he does not have other than Ray Davis, they don't have the kind of weapons and the kind of attack. You know, they're more plotting, like I said, if you can win first down against a team like a Kentucky and get them behind the yardsticks, it makes it really hard on them to get first downs. And I, I promise you Clemson's defensive staff knows that, and they're really going to load up against a run and challenge, challenge the Kentucky to beat them deep. Coach, great stuff. Uh, we wish you a happy new year. Uh, and get yourself ready. We'll bring you back in prior to the national championship to uh, break that down as well, if you don't mind. So great uh, stuff. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great holiday weekend, a great New Year's, and we'll talk to you before the national championship game. Appreciate you, Coach. happy holidays, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Zach Willis, fourth and one with Zach tonight. Now let's go to Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach. Here is some of what he said at the presser today, previewing the matchup with the Tigers. I am just so appreciative of these three that are with me today and our entire team. Uh, it's extremely difficult what these young men go through. Um, you know, the, the season in the SEC, as you know, can get quite grueling. And I really just appreciate our team's effort. I told him from day one that I just really like this group. I like the fight. I like the grit. Uh, I like the way they compete. Uh, we finished the season on a, on a, on a good victory. Uh, we're playing a great opponent. You know, I'd like to recognize Dabo, uh, Coach Sweeney, for what he's done. The consistency with what he's won is uh, really, truly amazing. He's done a, a remarkable job. And they have another very good team uh, this year, finishing with four straight victories. Uh, we know how talented they are. Uh, they're uh, just a very talented team. I could go on and on about them up front. You know, defensively, I know they have some players that aren't playing, but they have plenty of depth. So uh, really uh, built like an SEC football uh, team. You know, the teams we compete against each and every week, and, and this team looks that way. Very big, very physical, very explosive uh, at each, each, uh, each level uh, defensively. Offensively, the same. Uh, very um, talented players, very well coached. And so uh, it's going to be a great challenge uh, for us. I think it's really important, um, you know, to, to try to end on a, on, a, on a good note. I told them before the Louisville game that the last two games of the season are the only two games all year that we're going to either walk off the field with a trophy or without one. And I can tell you from experience, it feels a heck of a lot better when you, when you have to stay and have one of you present us a, a, a trophy and take it back home. Uh, so that's what we're looking to do. Um, again, I, I like the preparation. I like the way our team has handled themselves this week. Um, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, uh, the folks, the people are always good to us. This is the third time uh, I've been here since my time at Kentucky. And you're remarkable, and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Michael Epps with uh, Fox 56 in Lexington. Mark, what have you seen out of your team here in practice? I know you guys are enjoying the festivities, but still trying to get this win. And what have you guys kind of worked on to go out there and improve and get better? Oh, 
our approach always is to try to leave Lexington when I give them a, a brief break uh, for them to go home uh, and see their families for Christmas. Uh, everybody was on time, made their flights, got back here. And when we get here, it goes rather quickly. Um, and they could tell you that it goes fast. We want to be completely prepared when we leave Lexington. We come back here, freshen it up, um, you know, and get the timing and the rhythm and, and everything back uh, going. And uh, it's been great. We'll wrap it up right after this press conference. We're going to go and finish up our last, uh, you know, prep and have meetings and walk through and things like that tonight. But uh, they've done a really good job. They seem very focused. Uh, we love Jacksonville, and we love the festivities, and we greatly appreciate it, but they've been very focused. Hey, Mark. Phil Kornblut, Sports Talk Media Network in uh, South Carolina. You mentioned Clemson looks like an SEC team. Could you envision them in the SEC one day? Would you like to see them in the SEC one day? I really would have no comment on that. I don't want to be reckless. I mean, the minute I say one thing, that'll be national news. So I, I think I'll stay away from that and concentrate on this game. Uh, a lot of respect uh, for Clemson and, and – uh, and, but uh, we're really focused on this game, and I'll let people with higher pay grades than me make those decisions. All right, there you go. So we got coaches dodging questions uh, today. Who has a okay. higher pay grade than a Power 5 head football coach? I mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> there are very uh, few people that make less or more money than those guys. He's pretty well paid. Uh, here's something that I found very interesting. We talk about Kentucky, and we talk about uh, Kentucky's defense, okay? So, Kentucky on defense. This is what you got to think about if you're Clemson. They've only allowed 14 plays of 15 yards or more this season. Four plays of 20 yards or more this season. So, they have snuffed out the big play on the ground. Conversely, in the passing game, They've allowed 40 plays of 20 yards or more. They've allowed 18 of 30 yards or more. So, again, it goes back to they're really good against the run. They're not so good against the pass. Are you tempted, if you're Garrett Riley, to throw the ball more than expected in this game? Or do you do you put your head down and say, we're going to do what we've been doing well here lately, and that's line up and hand it to Shipley and Maffa and get the quarterback out in space? I don't know why you would go against the formula that has worked so well for you the past month to wrap up the season and get you to this point. I mean, at one point in time, they were 4-4, four and four, and it was a pipe dream to believe that Clemson would be in a, a game like the Gator Bowl. But they, they realized where their strengths lie, and that was in those two running backs behind Kate Klubnick. And when he has to run, his ability to run as well. I mean, those are your top three rushers on the team. I, I don't see a, a need unless Kentucky starts just totally stu stuffing the run to make it where Klubnick's got to go out and win that football game tomorrow. I, just, I think Clemson's offensive line started to play much better down the stretch, and I think with Shipley and Maffa, I'm not sure they, they need to change their game plan one iota, despite what Kentucky's been able to do. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you got two mm -hmm. teams that are very similar, and most are saying fourth quarter game. I'm thinking a low-scoring game. I think I gave it uh, Clemson 24-14. So, low-scoring game, Clemson covers. Did you come up with a score besides just picking uh, the winner here? Did you come up with a score? I did not, but I kind of – I don't want to steal yours, but I, I see it in that neighborhood. I'll go 27-17 uh, then. I'll, I'll stick with the 10 points. Maybe Clemson gets a defensive score. 
Because I think Leary's got a lot more pressure on him to perform well against Clemson's D than Kate Klubnick does to go up against Kentucky's defense. I think Devin Leary's got to have a, a much bigger ball game for them to have a chance to win than Kate Klubnick if you're kind of weighing the two players. I think Leary's got to be much better tomorrow for them to have a shot. Okay, well, don't forget to follow along with our coverage tomorrow. We'll be at uh, Everbank Stadium in the morning, kickoff slightly afternoon. You can follow along on our Twitter coverage, our X coverage. We'll be uh, sending out information there. Then our postgame coverage on our website, sportstalksc.com. Look forward to bringing it all to you, adding to your enjoyment of the day. Uh, Chris, you have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Thank you, Pat. You have a great night as well, sir. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks to all of you for being with us tonight. Thanks to our guests as well. They were terrific. Have a great night. See you tomorrow from the stadium after Clemson, Kentucky. Have a great night.